Hello and welcome to the Wise Yourself Up podcast. I am your host, Carla McCreevy, and I am all biz that you're here for episode 11. In today's episode, I'm going to speak to you about whether I'm going to freeze my eggs and just some other general crack. How are you doing today? When this gets out, I think it is just before the new moon on the 7th of February. Are you delighted? It's February. It's so nice, isn't it? I think um, when we come into winter, there's the excitement of December and Christmas and the lights and the buzz of children. And then January's just so long and skimped and dark. But I love the contrast of like that low to being so buzzing for the longer days and the light coming back. I just love that transition. There's no better feeling, I feel. I want to thank you so much for being here, for listening, and to each person who reached out and thanked me for sharing my personal share the other week. I think it was two episodes ago before Robin's. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's just so powerful when we listen to each other and we witness each other's experiences. And... I think it's just part of the human experience that we want to be validated and seen. Hearing from each of you makes making this podcast my work worthwhile. If it helps just one woman to be with the weight that's inside and encourages more women to use their voice, then it's so worthwhile. I also want to add that there was a lot of you who reached out to say that you had an experience of not being seen and not being heard and not being supported through a really difficult time. However, these experiences really vary, like from deaths in the family to divorces. And it just shows you that we have similar energetic experiences, yet on the outside our lives may look different. What is my crack right now? My life right now, I'm in a bubble. I'm in a gorgeous wee bubble, a lovely wee bubble with an incredible group of women in the Wave Effect course. We are coming to the end, which I feel emotional about. It ends on Wednesday. And it's just been such a a deeply enriching month. I've just been loving studying and working with the women and studying myself. And I actually haven't even wanted to socialise. I don't even think I've met one person this month, have I? I don't think I have. No, I have like went to dance and movement. I've met people through movement, but I haven't went for a dinner with anybody. It's just the nature of the way I'm working right now. So the way I'm working right now is I could have a call at 5 a.m. And then I have the mornings of myself. And then I'll start work between 12 and 1. And that'll be me to like 9 at night. I try to do that four days a week and at the minute it's running into like more five, six. Well, no more five, no, just five. It would be five. Um, and then I do be strict. Like last week I had two days off, but there's a lot of changes that I'm implemented right now and a lot of things that need done. So sometimes it just takes up more time than normal. And yeah, I don't want to, don't want to see a soul. On that note though, I am taking a week off next week. So I go to Australia. I'm going to Australia to see Wee Disasta. I always call her my daughter. She's just like a younger version of me. So funny. She's just, 
She's hilarious and she's about eight years younger than me. But she takes care of me more than what I take care of her. And it'll be good to have some fun. DeFast is in Sydney and I was in Australia 13 years ago. And I didn't really love Sydney. But the child's there, so I'll have to go. And then I'll go to Melbourne for a few days. And I went to show you 13 years ago, did the whole backpacking thing at 23. And it's just a delight to go back to Australia as a different woman. When I was 23, I was so different. It was the height of my running addictions, every addiction. Not in terms of partying, but just training and yeah, that sort of thing. And I didn't know my dad then. And yeah, like life just changed so much since then. And I fractured my leg because my body was trying to stop me. And yeah, I was just really mentally struggling at that time in my life. I'm reflecting and everything. Yeah, everything changed after that. And like I said, it's just nice to go back a different person rather than the 23-year-old who was drinking loads of goon. I will be drinking wine, but it'll be it'll be good wine. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm not really socialising, but I am interacting with 18 women and interacting with people I'm working with. I'm just very, very grateful that my job gets me to connect with women. I just feel like my heart opens more and more and I think that's the journey through life. It's one of the Buddhist teachings is the bodhicitta is that we want healing to awaken us to unfold our hearts that are already there for the taking. And I feel like my job, I get to fall in love with women basically and it's so enriching like I said and yeah, I just feel really, really happy and very grateful that these women trust me and that I get to work with them and I get to be the connector between them and these ancient teachings that work. The practice of coming together in collectives that work that the Western world has forgotten and especially with the loss of religion I suppose in our communities there has been a big loss of social connection hasn't there since you know our grandmother's time. I want to talk to you about the discussion about freezing our eggs. I am not an expert. I do not have all the information. I have not done all the research. This is me doing a personal share. This isn't me speaking from uh, a somatic teacher perspective or a breathwork facilitator perspective. None of that. I just want to share my thoughts because there's so much taboo, so much shame. And I think it's just really important conversations to be having because we are the first generation who has sex for pleasure, that we have contraception. And now we have these tools of IVF and freezing our eggs to help us have children later in life. I am simply speaking about this as a woman of 36 who is single, who would love to have children. What brought me to this conversation this week was 
one of the gifts of my work that is I meet incredible women and I get to connect with a diversity of women and a diversity of ages and we learn so much from the younger generations and the older generations and then we get to have like big sisters and wee sisters who aren't related to us which I love. This woman has done a few of my courses. We've worked together for a number of years now. She's a gorgeous woman and it breaks my heart how big her heart is that she's going through IBS. She reached out to encourage me and to ask me about my decision to freeze my eggs and whether I considered it. So she was looking out for me as I had publicly, I had publicly shared on Instagram, on different platforms. And obviously with the women that I work with, that I am someone who would love to have children. I just thought that was incredibly kind of her to think of me when she's gone through so much because IVF is, from what I've heard, is incredibly hard on your emotions and your body and your relationship if you're in one. And so, in answer to that, I have thought about freezing my eggs. At 34, I realized, God, I'd like to have children in a few years. My relationship broke up at that time. I decided to get the coin out to start to prep my body to have babies, even though I wasn't in a relationship. So I've started that process of trying to be mindful of maintaining health and the motivation is fertility. Not that you should need a motivation to want to be healthy, but I feel like it really motivates me when I think about fertility to want to be healthy and make good choices, if that makes sense. At that time, I spoke to different women who had frozen their eggs, who were thinking about it on different aspects. And then a friend of mine, Joe, I'm sure Joe won't mind me mention her name, but I'll ask her permission. She is a similar age to me and she was doing loads of research about freezing her eggs. And this was a wee bit after I had looked into it. She told me that it was a 5% chance of success if you were just freezing your eggs alone. And Joe has made the decision that she will use sperm and make an embryo from a donator, donator sperm. I have made the decision and it's something I sat with a few years ago that that would never be an option for me. Now, I can't say never because it would have seen me a 40 ordering some sperm. But at the minute, I'm, I would be shocked if that was the path that I went down because of personal reasons for me. I know a lot of women choose to do it alone. I know a lot of women do amazing jobs of parenting on their own. I came from a community full of single parent families and it's just a choice that I I would rather not do it alone. I see at the minute, this is personal for me, that I, I don't think I want children if I have to do it alone. For various reasons. And so when I looked at the statistics of not having any sperm because I'm single and I don't want donator sperm, then I was like, for 5% chance, it costs about eight grand the amount of hormones you have to put through your body to harvest eggs, I think they basically put your body in a menopause 
to harvest the eggs and it's a lot. And I have friends who have completed this process single and they said that that was very emotional because they never imagined they would be doing the process as a single woman. And for me, at the time when I was processing all this, my feeling was like, no, that's not for me. But then when this gorgeous soul contacted me this week, I was like, maybe I need to look at this again and really weigh up the options in terms of freezing my eggs. So let's go through some of the information for anybody who is new to this, to fertility and all this world. And it's funny how it links the conversation that we've been having last week with Robin and me is like the secrecy and not speaking about it. And especially for women and researching the dating, um, you know, dating apps and people who matchmake and things show that women women are afraid to ask for what they want and really declare that they want children. All right, I feel that. I feel, I feel like, oh, you shouldn't say that out loud almost for some reason. But when a man says, I want children, it's hot. Like, what is that about? So there's that issue. And where was I going with this? Oh, I forgot got lost. But anyway, stay with me. And before I get lost again, <laughs> So I'll share some of the information to anyone who's new to this world or new to thinking about fertility. Number one is that, which is one of my favorite things, is that we, at four months from conception, the fetus has, you have your whole yoni, you have your whole reproductive system. Isn't that incredible? In your mother's womb. So your granny carried your egg. Isn't that mad? No, let me think about that. So that's what it is. So your granny did carry you as an egg because your mother was born with all the eggs that she had in her. I don't know why I was overthinking about this. And isn't that incredible that your grandmother carried you as an egg? Which is amazing. So a woman is born with all the eggs that she's ever going to have from the minute she's born into this world. Most girls have around 2 million eggs when they're born. And by adolescence, that goes down to about 400,000. And at the age of 37, now I just want to, like this information can be triggering. And some of the information is really offensive. Also, I hate that if you're over 35, that you're geriatric pregnancy. And they always have to remind you of that. Like, if I do, I hope that I do have children and they're calling me geriatric, I will not be happy. So let me continue. At the age of 37, there remains about 25,000 eggs. And by the age of 51, there's about 1,000 eggs left. So the problem that comes into fertility as you come into your 30s is that ideally, the advice is you, I think you're more fertile at 17, which is wild. Who wants to be having babies at 17? You're a baby yourself. And so... Ideally, the advice would be if you were looking at just pure fertility, pure biology of the body, not that you want to, to have a life or a career or any of those extras. If you just look at pure biology, the woman should be encouraged to have children under 35 if you just looked at the body, okay? But obviously that's not realistic for women who want to travel and have careers and explore different things. This is from National Geographic and different medical research. Um, 
reports and I'll link them at the bottom. So I'm just reading from them because I had to like screenshot the information. So it writes, the quality of the eggs gets poorer as the woman gets older. And so it's not the problem that I would be facing of having no eggs. It's that they wouldn't be eggs that would be of a high enough quality to conceive. And I never knew this, right? So in this report, it says most women think they're losing an egg at a time, but it's a cohort of 10 or 20 a month. Is that true? Apparently it is. Um, because I know when you go for IVS, they need to harvest a lot of eggs. They try and get the eggs, as many eggs as they can, to give you the best chance. Uh, and then, yeah, there's some annoying things that, like, like, so there's one person who wrote a comment underneath this, and she's saying, like, time is of the essence. And there's a lot of women who, it's a very difficult thing, because there's women who, who regret not taking more action when they were younger of freezing their eggs and maybe they didn't have the money and maybe they didn't have the information um, and they regret not freezing their eggs. There's also people commenting and sharing about the link between harvesting your eggs and IVF and cancer. And then there's loads of women on this site in different sites there was like two scientists that shared like they were well known in America I don't know these two scientists they have a daughter and they encouraged he was encouraging her daughter the the father was encouraging the daughter to harvest her eggs and the mother was saying wait you know see what happens in life but she did it as like an insurance policy that's what my friend Holly used so that's what you call it isn't it an insurance policy but for me I think like I don't know how I feel about, it's a very invasive to harvest your eggs and to do that in your 20s. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it is a lot, but I suppose if you know, you definitely don't want to have kids do your older in life. But I do think it's a lot on a person. But also, so this is the flip side. So maybe if I was 26, would I do it? because I know my eggs were really, really good then. I think, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, I think it's what would help you relax the most. In the teachings, the spiritual teachings, the Buddhist teachings, they say that, <laughs> they say that everything will unfold for you um, the more conscious you are and the more you relax. And you can't, increase your consciousness unless you're relaxed um, and that it's in a state of relaxation everything flows to you and it's what I believe in however that doesn't mean that you won't suffer and the bad things won't happen but the practice and the skill will be that always you can relax with what's happening in your life rather than to fight and control it my best friend Holly was giving me advice about this and what she said really stands. No, Holly did give me great advice, but it was actually Kathy, a really good friend. Kathy gave me this advice. It's about what is going to help you relax more. For some people, having the insurance policy of freezing their eggs is going to help them relax and enjoy life. Because, yeah, you might meet someone and have a baby at 30. You know what I mean? You never know where your life's going to fall. This is for people in their 20s, or, you know, I could meet someone in the next few years and have a baby of 40 you just don't know what way your life's going to unfold but if 
So say for a person who it was consuming their every thought about meeting someone and having a child, if freezing their eggs took that pressure off, that edge off, because that's not a nice way for any person to be navigating daily, is that feeling that pressure, it's so much stress for the system, right? And it's very natural when you really want something that you feel that stressed. So it makes sense for someone who felt like that, I think, to freeze their eggs. However, for me, I need a wee drink. Don't worry, it's only coffee, it's only five past nine here. But for me, I feel just can't face putting all those hormones in my body and doing it alone. Is my gut feeling on it right now? Um, I just don't know if that's something that I want. For those odds, if those odds were higher, I might feel different. It's definitely something that I need to sit with and meditate more on because my body will let me know what's right for me because I just have a resistance to it. I just don't know. I think it's going to stress me out more going through that process because I don't feel stressed about it. I do think after losing my granny and granddad and dad, there was definitely a period where I was like, oh, I just want to fall in love and then everything will be fine and then I'll get comfort from that person. And thank God that's less now. And so now I don't feel the pressure to be in a relationship. I would love to meet someone, but I'm actually very content being single right now. And I would like to be single for a while longer. I would love to have children, but it's not eating me inside. You know, it's not consuming or stressing me. And the thought of going through this would bring a lot of stress in my life. Okay, so these are more statistics. Um, before 30, I mean, this... <laughs> Continue listening at your own peril. Before 30, women have an 85% chance of conceiving within a year. At 30, those odds drop to 75%. And at 35, the chance dropped to 66%, the research has found. At 40, you still have a 44% chance of conceiving within 12 months. Well, I am um, enraged at the next part. So men produce millions and trillions of sperm every day. And their fertility doesn't decline until they're 40 to 45. It really enrages me to be raging about this. And my, <laughs> be my male friends here dithering about and don't feel the stress of dating in their 30s or their clock. And they're like, well, you might have kids later. You needn't be coming near me with your children. Honest to God. And my friend was like, it's not my fault the way the world is. And I was like, well, I'm just warning you now. Stay out of my path. Because see, if I don't have children and you do, you needn't look at me. And also, I do realize that that's a big problem. That So this is another statistic that sperm count has declined by 50% in 40 years. And that's what a fertility coach advised me. She was like, Carla, <laughs> I was like, you know, what should I do for my fertility? And talking about, I was getting the call at the time. It was Maria, the hormone coach. And she was like, well, I'd be more worried about getting good sperm. And I was like, that's another spanner in the works. Thanks. Great. In general, I was reading, I was wanting to see if it's true that infertility rates are rising. And it is true from the research and statistics all show that infertility is, is rising. Because I was like, that we have the information before and how can we compare and all those things. But it is getting worse. But also there's the other complexity, right? That we're the first generation 
to use contraception. Like my mum was never on contraception and my grandmother wasn't. Now they were both super fertile, <laughs> especially my poor wee granny. Like she never got a breath or between her seven kids. And so with that comes a great privilege. Like I am so grateful that I had contraception to enjoy sex with our children. So, so grateful. And yet, I also do feel that we are the guinea pigs. I just don't feel like medicine, well, we know that medicine has a historically really card for us in the research. We know that pharmaceutical drugs were only tried on men and they just thought that women's bodies responded the same and they never bothered to check. And we had all these health implications and it took them years to click on or to give a fuck, excuse my language. I think too, like, Damien McCall brings this up a lot. She's like, is this really the best we can do with all our advances in science? Surely more could be done in making better contraception and doing better. I mean, the effects of the pill and the cord, like, I love the cord. I would have the cord and no bother. Only I want to have children. You know, I wish I had got it in younger, in my 20s, because I didn't get it in until I was like 30. I hated the pill. The pill drove me mental. I was in a set of tears all the time. My mood was crazy. And I have other friends, the pill worked great for them, and they're so grateful for it. So it's, it's also to be mindful that nothing's perfect. And when we're using the coil and the pill, that it is going to have an impact on us to some degree, and it varies for each person. We are the guinea pigs of contraception, and they're so careful when they tried to try a male contraception. They were like, oh, give them headaches. We can't sell it. I swear to the heavens. Okay. Right, so where I'm at now is that I should really, despite my gut feeling, I should really get my eggs checked to see what position and to see how many good eggs I have, how many eggs I have, what my room's like, all that crack. Um, I need to dread because I know, I, I have a feeling, right, that if they tell me it's not looking good, Carla, I probably would go through with harvesting the eggs probably. And, like, I don't dread a smear because as not nice as it is, it's fatal and it's life-saving you know, probably the women I know in my lineage would have had so much shame in getting it done or would have not gotten it done and, you know, illness could have been prevented had more smears been less shameful and more accessible. These are life-saving checks and I don't even think about getting a smear because I'm so grateful for this life-saving check. However... <laughs> When it comes to counting my eggs, I feel the dread that some of you feel about the smear. I'm just like, oh, no. Overall, I think it's complex. And I've just given you some random information that I found in the past 24 hours. I think it's so individual. And also, I listen. I have the privilege of women in my life who wanted children and never got the opportunity. I have women in my life who wanted children and couldn't physically. I have women in my life who had 
IVF and it never worked. A woman in my life who had IVF and they have children. I'm trying to listen to them all, especially the women who never had children, who never got the opportunity or couldn't. Because I think there's so much to learn from their experience. And I think about years ago when women couldn't have children or a couple couldn't have children because you don't know if it was if it was physical with the female or the male. But it was never talked about. People didn't talk about struggling to have babies or infertility. It was very taboo and you never asked about it and you never spoke about it. You know, from listening to my grandmother, it seemed to be that it was always, you know, women, God love them, were questioned if they didn't. I mean, because maybe back then women didn't want to have children and back then you were so conditioned to believe that you had to have children and that still exists today, I think. And I think about these women who never got a chance to share that pain with someone. That really makes my heart ache. And they had to keep it all inside and they felt so much shame. Oh, time to wake up. Time to wake up. (laughs) That they felt so much shame. No one should ever feel shame for their traumas. And you can see how that links to what we've been talking about the past two weeks, like feeling so much shame about suffering that naturally happens in life. And in yoga, this is one of my favorite parts of philosophy of yoga. They talk about samaskaras in yoga. And your samaskaras, there's three samaskaras, and it is your karma. And it's not karma the way we see it, as in like you do something, you deserve something back. It's Karma is just a part of the energetics of life. And there's three types of samaskaras. And the first one is your samaskara. So it's things that you've done in your life, your individual experience as to why things have happened. For example, it could be, I'll use my example, you know, I experienced a father who wasn't there and then I went out with men who were emotionally available. You know, like how... Or my samaskara played out in my life and how it's my samaskara to heal. And they talk about, you know, I as a soul chose my father. I chose this life. I chose him to abandon me. Like I chose it before I entered this world. And then the second samaskara is the karma of your community. So the things that happen in your life is to do with the time and place that you're born, your environment, and your community, and things that happen in your life are, are linked to that. For example, I'm trying to think, oh, so your karma could be, you know, so your karma could be to do with having an autoimmune disease because of our culture that is designed for women to neglect and not look after themselves and to speak their truth and speak the truth of their emotions. This would be in line with Gibramate's theory. And that's why that that is the samaskara of this time or the high levels of autoimmune disease in women. And then the final samaskara is that this was just the cross that your soul was meant to bear in this lifetime, that there is no reason. It's not to do with things that have happened in your life. It's not to do with anything that's happened in your environment. But 
that this samaskara, this karma that's happened in your life was here to awaken you and to awaken the hearts of those around you. I hope this helps any woman navigating the world of fertility and making the right decision for you and that we're all going to make different decisions. For some of us, it's going to be so right, IVF. It's going to be so right to harvest eggs, to get donor sperm, to do it alone, to co-parent with a friend, to adopt, to not have children. I have friends who are like, they are so at home with that decision. They were like, I wouldn't possibly entertain the idea of having a child. And they're so content and so sure of that. There's also women who I know who have decided not to have children and they still have wee doubts time to time. But on the whole, they are happy with their decision to be child-free. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent again. So I hope it helps. I'll let you know my crap. Any research, any shares you want to share with me, please email into Wise Yourself up Wise Yourself Up Podcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Instagram. I think that's all I want to say on it. Yeah, I'll be sitting with my body and let my body make the decision because the body will know the truth of what's right for me. And that's always the practice, isn't it? Like that's what my whole work's devoting to. It's helping people access the answers from within because like my best friend Holly said you know you will know for yourself your gut will guide you it has to be that because this is what Holly said you can read all the research that you want there's so many conflicting pieces of research and so many conflicted pieces of advice and so many conflicting stories of hope and stories that you shouldn't do and you shouldn't do it and really you have to see them for what's right for you which isn't easy with such a big decision. That's it now. I have to share with you that I have a retreat happening in Donegal in June. And I cannot wait to be on Irish soil with a house full of women cackling, getting fed by Eileen. We're going to have an in-house chef. She's phenomenal. The food's phenomenal. The location smell of the ocean you can see it from your bedroom the beds are so comfortable each room has an ensuite there's options for shared and private there's going to be hot therapy cold therapy movement breath work oh it's just going to be so good but there is only eight rooms and there's only seven rooms left so it's live now so if there's any spaces left go and have a look at that the ocean retreat on my website www.carnmcgreevy.com and I think that's everything again if you've enjoyed this podcast please send it to your friends and send you loads of loves loads and loads and loads of love and a big big tight squeeze and I'll speak to you soon